0: From the Organisation for World Peace, where we examine the biggest issues currently threatening human security. This week, our focus is the independence movement. I spoke with Andrew Bernstein, a political scientist based in Barcelona, to get a more in depth perspective of the political dynamics of the movement for Catalan independence. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. It would be great if you could start by telling us a little bit about yourself, your academic background, and
1: what your areas of interest are. I'm a political scientist. Uh, I basically actually studied English philology as a major in the University of Barcelona. And then I went on and got two master's degrees, one in the University, Complutense University Madrid in uh, comparative literature. And then I got a political science master's degree in uh, San Francisco State University in uh, California. And um, my area of interest in terms of political science, are basically direct democracy and uh, basically public opinion. So um, in that sense, I think that the analysis of uh, political referendums and whether they're good or bad for democracy would definitely fall into my, um,
0: you know, areas of interest indeed. Okay. And so what? that's just, you know, obviously knowing that you did a, what was it, a master's in comparative literature, that's... Did, was that what was it that prompted your move into your sort of sideways move into political science?
1: Well, that's a very good question. I well, I think as any young student, I had different uh, areas of interest, and anything that had to do with the language, uh, both in terms of linguistics and, and literature, were of my interest when I was younger. But I uh, always, or I have always been interested in uh, the relationship between. Different humanities, and uh, I think that politics gathers, regardless, of all of my interests, all of my interests together, right? And mm-hmm. I think that specifically, my interest in political science started when I actually studied my degree in Barcelona, and I started uh, actually uh, witnessing all the different uh, political movements that were happening back then, from the independentist movement to the anarchist movement to the squat yeah. house. There's definitely a very active uh, city in the, in the sense of uh, political organization yeah. and I thought that was a key point for me to start really looking into what politics means and how important it is for, for
0: today's world and historically. Yeah no I mean it's fascinating how I suppose the, the you know the society in which you live can influence you know obviously the, the you know your perception of of, of politics you know completely. And
1: um, I just recently uh, read a, a book that said that everything we do is political. Mm-hmm. If you think of every single connection, whether it is the relationship that you know, you have with per, uh, the person that you live with or with the people that you live with. Uh, that's, there's always some kind of politics over there in the terms of the negotiation of different roles. You know, with all kinds of organizations where you go to school or, or at work, there's always some kind of political, uh, you know, kind of negotiation that is happening. And therefore, if you think about it, almost everything that happens to us is political in some, in some way. and you know? It has to yeah. do with the way people
0: organize themselves. Exactly. I mean, I mean, you know, I I suppose with any society, you have the need for politics. So it's something that springs, you know, that will spring from any society. And I think probably, uh, and man is by nature a social animal. Um, And I suppose that therefore makes him a political animal, as Aristotle said. Um, But yeah, that's that's great. Um, So we're going to focus today on the topic of independence movements and specifically on the recent, well, the recent escalation of tensions in, in Catalonia um, and Spain. And uh, obviously, you know, that being your area of expertise. So it'd be great if you could, first of all, just sort of give us a historical, some historical background as to what's been going on in Spain and uh, with the Catalan independence movement?
1: Well, um, the relationship of, between Spain and Catalonia has always been a complicated one. Um, historically, ever since the formation of the Spanish state, uh, Catalonia has had a little bit of a you know, political desire to be uh, a state uh, of itself, or at least there's always been a, a sense of, uh, of a nationhood that has complicated this relationship with Spain. There's always been a desire for independence among some people in Catalonia. But uh, what's really interesting is that starting maybe in 2006, which is a key moment in this whole process, and going forward the support for independence has grown dramatically. Mm
0: -hmm. And what
1: happened was that in 2006 with the previous socialist administration in Spain, there was a renegotiation of what they call the Statut de Catalunya, which is the political framework that defines the relationship between the autonomous community of Catalonia and the rest of the Spanish state. And it was a strong negotiation and after a long uh, time of actually going back and forth, they finally reached an agreement and that agreement was voted in a referendum in the legal, what is called at least the legal referendum in Spain, in Catalonia and about 65% of the people who actually participated in the referendum voted in favor. What happened was that um, in Spain, the other main uh, state party, uh, which is called Partido Popular, which is kind of a spanish nationalist right wing party, did not agree with any of the terms that had actually been uh, you know kind of passed forward, and they took that uh, to the Spanish Constitutional Court, which then gutted the new agreement and really kind of took down a number of demands or agreements that had been reached in the, in the new political framework. And that was a key turning point because I think many Catalan people understood that within the Spanish state, it was not possible for them in any way to really kind of be able to, to reach their aspirations. And together with uh, uh, the, the Spanish um, kind of economic crisis, which really was a political social crisis that started really in 2008, as also a fallout between the rest of the economic crisis that was happening around the the world. Uh, And together with a number of other factors, what happened is that uh, political support for independence went between 25% that was back then in 2006 to reach to a 52% at some point between 2012 and 2015, which is when really uh, the uh, the Catana political movement started gaining incredible strength. And I think they started believing that they could actually reach statehood. And their demands for a self-determination referendum were were very strong
0: back then. Mm. So that's fascinating. So, I mean, essentially, yeah, I I, I mean, this is something that's been quite well explored um, in the international press, which is that there's actually been, you know, the the surge in sentiment uh, or the surge in support for Catalan independence is actually you know, a fairly recent thing. So clearly the site seems to be some sort of uh, contextual element to it. It's not necessarily just driven purely by historical grievances or or a historical sense of of nationhood uh, or, or, you know, sort of uh, comity within within Catalonia itself. Uh, There's something uh, that's, there are things that are, you know, exogenous uh, factors which have, Influenced uh, the prominence of this movement. Uh, so, what do you think are the sort of main factors which are operating here? Obviously, you mentioned that there was this the uh, de- decision of the Catalan, con- uh, sorry, the Spanish Constitutional Court in 2010. Uh, to what extent do you think uh, the global financial crisis might have also influenced an increase in sentiment for independence?
1: Well, I think that the economic crisis uh, played a, a very important or major role too, because uh, I think as, as with many other states, basically the Spanish state works in a way in which uh, basically the richer communities or the richer states actually uh, provide more money to the general fund, so that the poorer states can actually, you know, access money and trying to tries to balance itself out. And historically, the, uh, the Catalan leaders and the Catalan population. Have uh, in a way understood that it's unfair for, for Catalonia to give uh, so much money and get so so little in return. There's a comparison, for example, here to the Basque uh, autonomous uh, community, which has a completely different fiscal relationship with the Spanish state. And historically, the Catalan leaders, uh, or at least the Catalan nationalist uh, political parties, have uh, you know kind of uh, demanded a change uh, so that uh, Catalan of uh, fiscal relationship with Spain would uh, be more similar to the one that uh, the Basque country has it. And, and part of the outcry by the Catalan people is that the Spanish, or an argument that they use is that the Spanish state actually steals from, from uh, Catalonia. And uh, Catalonia, uh, uh, España and Rala, now they say in Catalan in a way. So that was definitely a very important uh, factor because when finally the Spanish uh, crisis or economic crisis started, and, and, and they started gutting all kinds of social programs. It also coincided with, in a way, it did, not at the beginning, but then the Spanish Nationalist Party, Partido Popular, came in. And that's a party that generates a lot of rejection in Catalonia as well, because it basically represents Spanish centralism, Spanish nationalism, a complete disregard for any other national aspiration of the other uh, so-called nations that are within the Spanish state. And that also generates a, a lot of rejection. It's much more centralist in terms of the way that they want to you know apply resources and they want to invest much more money in madrid you know instead of barcelona so indeed the economic crisis that happened or started in spain in 2008 you know really kind of highlighted these grievances and made you know kind of strained that relationship much more so the economic part is a very important part of the of the whole of the whole situation also in terms of uh, you know decentralization the historical demands of Catalonia have been, you know, we are a nation, uh, at least when they wanted to stay within the Spanish state, we're a nation uh, and we think that we should have many more uh, prerogatives in terms of competencies, you know, in terms of what we can actually handle here and not the Spanish state itself. So together, all these things are all these factors together really kind of uh, crystallized
0: in a much stronger movement for independence. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I, I suppose one of the one of the arguments that is that is put forward on the side of uh, Catalan independence is that it's you know essentially promoting democracy in the sense that if the uh, if Catalonia has a state of its own, then you know the, they can properly. Sort of um,
1: manage the resources. Man- yeah, man- manage you know. the
0: resources. I guess the, the, the resources is one part of it. You know, that's on the economic side of the uh, economic side of things, which obviously, uh, definitely, an uh, extractable from from the other aspects of it. But I suppose more so in terms of just uh, uh, representing preferences. Yeah, represent. You know, promoting democracy in the sense of representing the culture, the shared culture and preferences. Uh, both in terms of politics and economics of, uh, you know, the, the Catalan people. Uh, and this is obviously an argument that, that was put forward uh, regarding the Scottish uh, re- referendum as well, that it would restore democracy in a sense, uh, which had been deprived by, you know, increasing centralization of power and so forth. Um, do, you think that this, do you think that this argument sort of stands up, in terms of uh, what you actually see, you know, as having gone on uh, in, in terms of uh, uh, the Spanish state. So, have has would you say that uh, over time there has been increasing centralization and increasing, you know, a lack of power afforded to uh, Catalonia, or has there been, you know, increasing devolution of power? Uh, and how you, uh, how you well, I mean, I things think things the, so. uh,
1: argument, arguments can, can be made on both sides here. I mean, mm-hmm. I understand the, the demands of the Catalan people in terms of uh, you mm-hmm. know lack of democratic values or 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 some problems in terms of the, of the real you know kind of representation or democratic representation in, in the Spanish state. Uh, I think uh, it's important to to talk about in, in contextual terms. It's important not to forget that Spain underwent a 40 years of a fascist dictatorship uh, that actually ended up in 1975, and it was a time when uh, there was a lot of repression of any kind of nationalist ideological sentiment, whether in the Basque country, in Galicia, or in Catalonia, and that indeed put a lot of strain or hurt a lot the relationship of all the different, uh, let's say, peoples that live within the Spanish state. However, the transition to democracy that happened between 1975 and 1978 when finally the constitution uh, the Spanish constitution was signed is considered to be uh, by some people a modelic uh, transition of democracy but increasingly there's a sense both on the Spanish left and also between the, the nationalist leaders of the Basque or the, uh, the people from Galicia or the Catalan, that uh, in reality, that transition was not modelic at all. And that uh, there were some structures of the people who supported the dictatorship that were left intact and that are still functioning within the Spanish state. And that's definitely a very important part of the of like let's say the arguments that the Catalan make in terms of aspirations for a more democratic, you know, more representative state. Because, for example, uh, part of their arguments are that the Spanish judiciary system is not independent at all, and you can make a strong case for that, indeed. However, uh, it is also true that when one analyzes Spain and its kind of uh, autonomous regions, this one of the most Decentralized states in the world, and many of the you know uh, uh, what we call autonomous communities have a lot of uh, prerogatives. Like for example, um, uh, we have uh, in our every autonomous region, there's a there's a, a management of the education that is actually given in that in that state, not in that community. And then part of the arguments that are that are made against the Catalan is that they uh, they use the power to, they have to actually shape education to actually try to, you know, uh, increase uh, support for uh, independentist movements or they actually, you know, uh, tell history or or shape history to actually uh, appear more or to defend their, their aspirations for, for independence. So uh, actually what's been going on here, and I think it's a very interesting, uh, you know, kind of uh, analysis from a democratic standpoint is this two conceptions of democracy are actually fighting against each other. There's the conception of democracy uh, that actually goes uh, or, or is defended in Catalonia, which is the right to self-determination as a human right, and uh, and uh, the right to vote is one of the essential parts that define a democracy, and that's been denied uh, by the Spanish state in a more brutal way in the last years, right? And then there's the more of the, the, the national Spanish... Uh, you know, kind of um, understanding of democracy is democracy based on the rule of law and uh, on very specific laws. And it is true that when, when the Spanish constitution in 1978 was voted by, by the Spanish people, the, the Catalan people, the majority of the Catalan people actually voted in favor of it. Uh, so uh, in a way, any kind of claim for a right of self-determination does not fit in the constitution mm. that was signed in 1978.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the the, the the interesting thing, I suppose, is that like, a, a lot of the people who are in favour or you know have are sympathetic to uh, Catalan independence uh, will argue, you know, when when arguments are put to them that the referendum in the 2017 was illegitimate and illegal, which obviously was considering uh, the constitution of uh, of, of Spain. You know the current constitution of Spain, or that was uh, uh, created in 1978. Then that that's that's obviously true. Uh, but the argument that uh, I imagine would be put that is that that constitution obviously reflected reflects to them a com- uh, you know a significant compromise, and obviously that compromise they might argue is embodied in the fact that. In order to uh, declare independence, uh, there needs to be a supermajority and essentially uh, the rest of Spain have to allow um, Catalonia to be independent. They can't unilaterally unilaterally declare independence.
1: That's a a huge part of the debate, Alex, because uh, even amongst the people in the rest of Spain who think, oh yeah, we should have a referendum. Part of the uh, the sentiment and the rest of Spain is that if they were if we were to have a referendum in Spain, uh, everybody should you know be able to vote and, and get a say in it because okay, Catalan people argue that this is our nation, you know, these are our people. But we are a political subject and we have the right to actually vote for mm-hmm. our future, right? But of course, the people in the rest of Spain think that Catalonia is a part of their country, and there's no absolutely no doubt that Catalonia was. To become an independent state, it would have an impact on the rest of the of the people in the country as well, in terms of economics, in terms of reshaping, in terms of identity, because many people consider it to be part of their country. You know, so yeah. it's a uh, it's a very complex it's a very complex debate. Uh, you know, is it is it really a, a, a political right self determination? Uh, whether uh, Catalonia is a nation or not, you know, I think amongst the left in Spain, people who are not Catalan. There's a definitely a a sense, or uh, not amongst all the left, but at least the, the more left-leaning parts of, of, the, of the Spanish political system, there is, a, 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 I would say, a consensus that the Spanish state is a, a plurinational state and the Catalonia constitutes a nation, right? But not yeah. it definitely doesn't happen amongst the Spanish center and the Spanish right nationalist movements who consider that the only nation that there actually is, is the Spanish nation, and that these are all bogus and, and fake claims, right? They, they don't actually... Uh, recognize Catalonia as a nation or as a political subject in itself. So that's a very big part of the, the debate itself. And in terms of, 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 you know, actual the actual legitimacy of uh, right of self-determination, uh, well, some people argue that uh, self-determination was a human right that was passed, uh, and it, when it was passed, there was a, a definitely an idea or conception of, of, of countries that had been colonized, you know, both in the colonization, colonization movements uh, or, or, or periods, you know, the, the basically the, the empire times. And that they were actually, you know, uh, self-determination was actually devised for countries in the Caribbean or in Africa. And that, you know, Spain has never colonized Catalonia. If you look at the historical background, uh, when actually the it was the Corona the the crown of Aragon, and also the crown of Castile when they actually joined together um, in fourteen well it was before fourteen ninety two when finally the Spanish reconquer took place, it was actually something that they did you know out of their own will and that historically that has been the relationship between both sides of, of of this conflict in a way no
0: yeah yeah no I mean I think it's fascinating actually the. I mean, yeah, as you say, the history of the right of self-determination, uh, you know, as it's known in the sort of discourse of international human rights. Um, obviously, it sort of evolved, as you say, in that colonial context, you know, and, you know post-World War II and then, you know, into 1980s and 90s uh, with, you know, the breakdown of Yugoslavia as well. Um, there there became an increasing sort of, you know, it evolved uh, in the sort of international consciousness as being this very, very significant thing that that people's, you know, people who share a certain culture, share a certain history uh, should have the right to, you know, represent themselves politically and have their own uh, self-determining political organisations. And... I suppose that's been that sentiment of, or the, the, I suppose the link between this right of self-determination and the colonial context has been preserved uh, in international law also. So when, you know, the, the position in international law, as far as I understand it, is that the right to self-determination um, so it's split into two. Essentially, there's one uh, there's one aspect of self determination which is external self determination, and then there's also internal self determination. And external self determination is obviously uh, the the point at which uh, a, a people declares uh, independence uh, from you know a state that they are currently living in, and uh, uh, declares a new state. Whereas internal self-determination is essentially denotes being afforded equal rights within, within a pre-existing political community. And the position in international law is that outside of the colonial context, so when there isn't a, a colonial situation, uh then the right to self-determination only extends to the internal self-determination. And obviously the reason being for that is that this desire within the international community, and a very prudent one, I suppose, which is to preserve the integrity of the international system and, you know, particularly territorial integrity, because obviously one could foresee that there might be some political turmoil uh, and some unrest if within the international system if all peoples within... Uh, you know, peaceful states, relatively peaceful states, were allowed to suddenly unilaterally declare their own state. Um, so I suppose it's balancing that tension between preserving the, the sort of peace and and territorial integrity of the nation-state with, with you know, the, the right to self-determination. And that's a very difficult thing to do. And I think the I Catalan... It's a very
1: complicated debate, and we should not forget that this whole process, and it is true that it never happens without turmoil, because when, you know, identities are actually touched, and it's a very complicated process, Mm. Uh, everything, this whole uh, political conflict, if you want, uh, is happening within the European Union, which is definitely an effort, uh, a political effort that's been happening in Europe over the last 50, 60 years, right, to actually open borders and to become more united and to, in a way, move past the whole national, uh, you know, historical
0: conflicts that we've yeah, had in the, Europe. The idea of the nation state as well, presumably. Exactly. So uh, and,
1: and, and that's a very important part because the Catalan uh, independentists or the Catalan nationalists take a lot of pride in being part of the European Union and being part, you know, they associate themselves as being a, a nation within Europe, Right. But the European Union, uh, I mean, I think is uh, not very interested uh, in, in opening that can of worms because uh, their idea or their political ideal is to actually keep opening and and becoming, you know, more of a, of a united front in which there's no so much, there's no there are not such differences between the different nation states. And not only that, if they actually were to recognize uh, Catalonia as an independent state, that would actually also be a recognition of other historical aspirations by different, you know, so-called nations with the other democratic states in, in the European Union. So the European Union is in a very complicated situation in between actually defending democratic values and democratic, uh, in a way, um, processes, but at the same time defending its, you know, uh, in a way its essence of actually moving past these uh, historical nationalist movements. And that's a complicated situation that the European Union has been in over the last years with a, this whole conflict.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to me that there seems to be this sort of, it seems to be taken as self-evident that there's this parity or that there's this um, comedy between the, you know, the, the idea of, of, well, I guess nationalism in the sense of national self-determination and, and leftism. And, you know, liberalism, uh, and that there seems to be generally all the advocates or the supporters for independence movements, whether it be in Scotland, whether it be um, in Catalonia, um, tend to be on the left, uh, which to me uh, strikes me as just just rather interesting because obviously... On the left, uh, you would think that uh, the idea of nationalism, the idea of 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 fusing uh, nationhood with the juridical system of the state, uh, is something that is sort of inherently antithetical to leftism. Uh, because nationalism obviously,
1: nationalism has always been considered to be a right wing movement.
0: Yeah, that's that's the yeah. So it's a fascinating tension. It is. It is indeed, and it um, is true that,
1: that in the Catalonian sense. Uh, support for independentism comes from all spectrums of the political ideology. Yeah. Uh, you have the, the, you know, kind of extreme left with the CUP, which is an anti-capitalist uh, movement that, that does have some strength within Catalonia, and they're definitely very much in favor of independence. Uh, you have more of the Esquerra Republicana de Catalunya, which is a, uh, you know, center left, the wing party that has been. Uh, you know, fighting for independence for over 80 years now. And then you have the, the, the historical nationalists that used to be Convergencia Unión and now have turned themselves in, into a party called uh, PDK, Partit Partit mm-hmm. dels Catalans, which are uh, historically, uh, uh, you know, bourgeoisie, kind of right-wing, you know, representation of the Catalan society. It has never been so uh, keen on... on uh, Independentist uh, aspirations, but that uh, changed the, their their whole their whole political argumentation over the course of this last fifteen years. So it's a, it's an interesting, it's a very interesting process because it doesn't only come from the left or the right. It's a kind of transversal uh, uh, total movement within the span with the Catalan society.
0: Yeah, and I suppose there's a worry. Uh, I mean, again, that's this the the perception or you know, sort of global perception of the legitimacy of independence movements seems to be sort of, I guess, um, tethered to this idea uh, that you know that there's not this sort of, and I think you can definitely glean this perhaps from the the Catalan example. that There's this sort of this sort of chauvinism, you know, this sort of this idea that it's a, a very us and them, you know, that's creating this essentially reinforcing. Uh, differences and and borders uh, which seems sort of antithetical to the political ideology which is you know potentially motivating um, this movement so yeah i mean it's 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 very interesting that that uh, there are those sort of competing tensions there um, yeah so um i mean and again I think the obviously the fact that as you highlighted before, that sentiment for independence has has augmented uh, after the GFC. Sort of highlights that 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 perhaps this could be uh, this, this this increasing nationalism, increasing nationalist sentiment, might be part of a sort of uh, general increasing uh, uh, nationalist sentiment in Europe, which is essentially a reaction to the failings of global capitalism and the, you know, the failings of the European Union uh, yes. well, to absorb the failures of the uh, global financial system. Um, which,
1: it, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Alex, there's, the, there's a, an important uh, point to be made here, which is it is true that I think that right now at the international stage, there's a great battle between what we call globalists and what we call, you know, kind of nationalist. And we can see this maybe with, uh, you know, the surge of political movements like Trump in the United States or, you know, Le Pen in France or Salvini in Italy, right? There's a a growing rejection to international laws, international, uh, you know, institutions Mm. that is happening even within nation states, you know? And I think that the Catalan uh, uh, nationalist or independentist movement does not fit that pattern because it comes from a historical aspiration for uh, you know being a political subject an independent political subject that has mm-hmm. happened in, in Catalonia over or you could say centuries right but it also definitely comes from a rejection to the Spanish state and some okay. lack of democratic uh, let's say um, uh, uh, patterns within the Spanish state. And I think that that definitely plays a very important role. It's not that the Catalan people do not want to take part or do not want to be a part of the European Union. It is that they want to be a part of the European Union as a political subject themselves. Mm. And some people could say that there's, there's a contradiction lying within here, but it's not that the Catalan people, I don't think that the Catalan independentist uh, supporters, whether they're on the left or the right, do so from a re- rejection to the international you know, globalist kind of uh, movement mm.
0: Yeah, I mean and, and how do you think that the way in which this you know, sort of recent uh, the recent move towards independence particularly the, the 2017 referendum the way in which that was conducted do you think that was conducive to the Catalan's cause in I the think- long run? I
1: think absolutely. I mean, I think that when this, uh, let's remember, illegal and uh, 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 referendum in terms of Spanish law took place in 2017, uh, I think that day the Catalan independence movement won in terms of public opinion around the globe because up until that moment they had been, you know, uh, listing a number of grievances, grievances to other international um, players and in other countries, right? But uh, there was a general sense around the planet that, that the Spanish state was a fully democratic state, and that uh, you know Catalan aspirations were nothing more than you know just the nationalist kind of uh, support for that, right? But uh, the way the thing is that back when when this uh, illegal referendum took place, and it's it's important to to remark the fact that there were no real democratic prerogatives taking place in that referendum, you know, all the different, uh, you know, kind of safety standards that are set in any kind of referendum did not take place because it was not, uh, you know, organized from a, from a legal perspective. Uh, you know, back then, uh, the Spanish nationalist party Partido Popular was governing and the whole management that that party, which is uh, a nationalist Spanish party that does not, recognize any other nation within the Spanish state, that it's not the Spanish nation, right? The whole management that they they had of this uh, political conflict was, uh, from a Spanish standpoint, a complete disaster because there was no will to negotiate. There was no will to actually acknowledge that an increasing number of people in Catalonia were supporting. There was a huge movement uh, uh, of support for this independence, and and what they did is the day of this illegal referendum, they sent uh, the Spanish uh, thousands of Spanish police from all over the state to crack down on on this vote, and the images of the Spanish police beating uh, people from all ages who just wanted to cast this vote, I think, really sticks in. The in, you know, in, in, in the memory of not just people in Spain, and especially in Catalonia, but all over the, the world. So I think that was a key turning point because up until that moment, there was a real desire for independence. But I think that the, the main desire was to be able to vote. Uh, I think there, the, back then there was an 80% amongst the Catalan people who thought that the, the Catalan people have the right to vote their future mm. relationship with Spain. Uh, uh, in a referendum. That doesn't mean that 80% of the people supported independence. It just means that amongst that 80% of the people, I'm sure that there would have been maybe 25, 30% of the people or even more who would have voted no in a referendum, right? But they just wanted, right, the right to actually make a decision about their future. But when Spain started cracking down, both in terms of police and then we've seen in terms of judiciary terms on this movement, uh, the set of grievances Right, the idea of being oppressed by this anti-democratic state really uh, hit a turning point, and I thought a lot of people that in Catalonia might have voted no in a real referendum have, you know, there's no, there's no going back. There's no way that they're actually forgive the Spanish state for what they did, and and I think that support for independence uh, has grown as 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 a, as a matter of the reaction of the Spanish state towards this whole movement mm. for sure.
0: And that's the difficulty, I suppose, is that they are having to, well, I mean, it seems like, you know, following the, the, I suppose you would say failure, uh, obviously, in the sense that it was illegal, um, and that, that there is no way that a Spanish constitutional court would have decided otherwise, um, just highlights the fact that they, if this is going to happen, then they need to work within the legal confines. Of the Spanish state, which um, you know for better or worse is is going to be the only sort of means of actually producing uh, independence in the future do you Absolutely. think that that's something that is possible within the near future or the distant future and what do you think would sort of give rise to that possibility
1: well I think that right now uh through this whole process, it's been a very, very, very uh, complicated and very kind of stressful process, not just for the Catalan people, but for people around, around Spain. It really has polarized the political discourse to points. I mean, obviously there are many other things that are separating Spanish people in general, but this has been a a key polarizing uh, issue in Spain over the last Eight years, especially ever since that that referendum in 2017, and uh, we could say that that in Catalonia uh, the society is very much divided because if one looks at the polls right now, uh, there was a recent poll passed and, and, and basically asked Catalan people that if there were to be a, a real referendum taking place right now, how many people would vote in favor and how many people would vote against uh, uh, independence and. 45% of the people who were actually surveyed said that they would vote no. 41% said that they would vote yes. And then there was about, uh, uh, I think it was about a 7% of people who were undecided. Uh, and uh, and I think that's a, a, a key. So the, the Catalan society is very polarized. And it's even independent, the independentist movement is very polarized about the ways to move forward. Because the ironic part of this is that uh, the Spanish political system itself is very polarized itself, you know, right? It's very polarized. And we just recently had a number of elections because we weren't able to form a government. There was no real uh, sense of coalitions that could take place. And finally, uh, recently, um, uh, a new government has been formed and has been formed by the Socialist Party, right? And by this, uh, uh, for some extreme left movement, Podemos, which is a movement, a very left-wing movement that was born in the social movements that took place as a response to the uh, Spanish economic crisis and political crisis in 2008 and, and forward. And this is a party, Podemos, that actually acknowledges the plurinational uh, reality of the Spanish state, and they are very keen on trying to reach a solution. So we got two extremes: we got the part in Catalonia. And, and amongst the independentists who think that, you know, they have to de- de- declare independence unilaterally because there's no possible negotiation with Spain. Uh, then there's the part in, uh, in, uh, in the Catalan in the independenceist movement that is a little bit more pragmatic and I think understands that the only real solution to this problem is going to come with political negotiation. And then amongst the Spanish uh, side of, of, of uh, political uh, movements or political parties, there are the Spanish nationalist parties who are, are never going to accept any kind of, uh, you know, concession to the Catalans, and are already calling traitors to this new uh, center-left government that there is in Spain. And then there are the people on the left who are governing, which are also divided amongst the Socialist Party, which is a party that historically has been very important in the development of a Spanish democracy, but it also in current in the current state of the Spanish state, and it's maybe sometimes lack of democratic. Uh, uh, prerogatives or, or mechanisms, and then you have this other movement which is very adamant in terms of the new negotiation. And the problem is that, that this new Spanish government cannot survive without the support of one of the Catalan independentist parties at the Spanish Congress. And that's going to be a f- crucial part of the negotiation. At least it seems that amongst the part of the Catalan independence movement, independentist movement, sorry, and amongst the part of, this, of the Spanish political parties and the Spanish government, there's a real desire to sit down and talk about the future and maybe try to solve this problem politically. But they're very much strained by uh, movements on their uh, you know, margins because uh, those who are independentists uh, and have completely broken with Spain uh, argue that there's nothing you can actually negotiate and their only real solution for Catalan people is to declare independence unilaterally. And they call those independentists who wanna negotiate with the Spanish state traitors, right? And then you have the Spanish nationalist parties who also uh, are willing to completely, you know, uh, attack and call traitors to those of the Spanish uh, left-wing parties who want to negotiate with the government. So it's a very strained, very complicated movement, very strained, very complicated moment in Spanish politics. And only if these real uh, uh, parties who want or have a desire to actually sit down and talk do so, we might find a solution, but it's going to be a very complicated, uh, you know, kind of process and a very
0: complicated uh, situation moving forward. Do you think there's anything less than a fully independent state that would satisfy or placate the grievances of uh, supporters of Catalan independence? Or is is the state, you know, the only result they're willing to countenance? I think that more devolution, uh, for example, or you know, more 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 rights and powers at the regional level, or autonomy, nothing more, but... you know, more private self
1: government. I think that if if the Spanish state would have been, uh, I think, a little more open minded, and they would have given these were the initial demands of the, the, the Catalan nationalists and the Catalan independentists were so, you know more self government, uh, you know, more control over their own, you know, kind of you know, uh, fiscal system and, and their kind yeah. of, you know, their budget. But the problem is that through this whole process, as I said, it has been a very polarizing process. I think a lot of the people who support independence do not believe that there's any other solution than the achievement of their, you know, self-determination and, and to have a real vote. But the problem is that if they're not the only, that's not the only sensitivity that exists in, in Spain. I mean, before there was a lot of people, and, and in Catalonia, mm-hmm. Before, there was a lot of people, there were people who supported independence and then there were different movements, people who supported maybe a federal republic in the whole of Spain, right? There were people, I mean, I'm talking about inside Catalonia, there were people who wanted more autonomy for Catalonia. And those people in the middle are the people who you really want to do politics with because that's where you really can reach some kind of middle point that favors everybody. Mm -hmm. But through this whole process, through the political crackdown, the judiciary crackdown, the police crackdown on, on Catalan aspirations, a lot of people have broken completely both emotionally and politically with the Spanish state, and to convince those people now that a possible solution might come through more self government through more prerogatives right through more um, access to to their own uh, you know budget and fiscal and fiscal status, I think a lot of people won 't accept that. Uh, there might be some people who are willing to go back and understand that probably the only real solution to this problem is to go back to their initial aspirations, because of course we have uh, two extremes. Now we have the people want to declare um, independence unilaterally in Catalonia, and then then you have the Spanish nationalists who want to crack down on any kind of autonomy and kind of really take, regain control over Catalan politics. And and the real solution might be in a real negotiation happening in between. But uh, unfortunately, it seems that it, it might be too late that the, the the positions have been so polarized that any attempt to go back to the middle might be considered insufficient to both sides. So it's a really, really risky moment, but I think that the only real solution to this problem is going to be for the you know this uh, current Spanish uh, government and for the independents to, to sit down and try to solve the problems politically uh, and try to uh, you know set a a path forward that might or not include. Uh, a vote for uh, self-determination in the future, but it, it will be very complicated. Mm.
0: And I suppose you know one of the one of the the sort of moral arguments, if you could phrase it in that way, that has been leveled against the you know the Catalans or the the, the those in favour of Catalan independence is that, and again something we've we've touched on, the fact that there is this perception and a reality obviously within Spain that essentially Catalonia sub- is subsidizing uh, the poorer parts of Spain uh, you know particularly in the south um, and the you know there's 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 uh, serious sort of economic grievances there to what extent do you think that, that you know is a legitimate sort of criticism is it is are these economic grievances as legitimate as the democratic ones um, or should we regard them uh, in the same vein? Well,
1: in my opinion,
0: uh,
1: there's a much stronger case to be made in terms of democratic grievances than in terms of economic grievances. Mm. I think there's a key point to be made here, which is uh, any, any uh, state, whether it be the United States, whether it be France, which is a very centralist uh, Uh, kind of republic whether it be germany i think it always happens that the richer states you know actually uh provide more to the general fund in terms of balancing those differences right than the ones that are the poorer ones right it happens absolutely everywhere and uh california pays more uh than maybe for example georgia in the united states or probably in germany uh i would say that uh you know, Bayern pays, pays up more than the, the eastern states, right? Because they have to balance it, balance themselves out. Yeah. Uh, so part of this grievance, historical grievance that Spain steals from Catalonia, I think is part of, a, in, a, in a way, this argumentation made, you know, to try to garner more support for a more nationalist standpoint or from, for independence. Uh, It is true that Catalonia pays much more than it actually receives uh, to the Spanish general fund, but it is not the only community that does so. It's true that it's probably the strongest uh, economic engine in Spain, but the Balearic Islands do the same. The Comunidad Valenciana does absolutely the same. I think Madrid also as a a community pays much more than it actually receives. But the thing is, that there's a special case in Spain, uh, and it's an interesting one, that that there are two communities in the north which are the Basque Country, and Navarra. they have a very different fiscal status than the rest of the state. Because through some kind of historical demands or or historical agreements in this whole uh, process of uniting this very diverse country, uh, they, when the Spanish constitution was passed, they were granted the right to actually collect their own taxes and to decide uh, what uh, money would be paid to the central state for what uh, political services, right? And so uh, the Basque Country and Navarra have the ability to actually keep the majority of of the money that they collect and actually spend it in their own communities. And that has been a historical demand for Catalonia. However, when uh, this prerogative to the Basque Country and Navarra was passed in 1978, uh, it was not granted. I think that actually Catalonia did not demand it in the same way that, that these communities did. And now to change the whole fiscal status would be a very, very complicated process. So if you think about, uh, you know, these uh, progress that were given to the Basque Country in Navarra uh, and you compare them to Catalonia, yeah, it's unfair for Catalonia that they don't have the same rights as these two communities. Right, but if you compare them to other communities that also pay more than they actually receive, it's not unfair. So it's a little bit of a complicated
0: analysis in that sense. Yeah, no, of course. Um, and do you think that if independence was achieved, and I mean, again, this might be just informed of your from your understanding of 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 other independence movements, and you know, when when they've actually uh, achieved independence. Uh, in terms of the economic repercussions of that, do you think that Catalonia would be better off or worse off if they were to separate from the Spanish state?
1: That's a very, very complicated analysis yeah. because, um, you know, it depends on, on a lot of factors. The first factor, I think, is whether the European Union would actually accept Catalonia as a fully independent state within right, its yeah. union. Right. Because incentivize other states to do the same, which is obviously the. It's what the European Union wants to prevent. Right. The European Union, I think it's adamant, as we said before, to actually defend democratic, uh, you know, uh, processes and and uh, and. To defend uh, the the development of real, you know, the, democracies, then that definitely has a, a, something for admitting this right to self-determination. But on the other hand, the European Union, I think, is very reluctant to actually open uh, uh, a, a way or to pave the way forward for for other possible, you know, nations trying to achieve independence within yeah. its within its union. Right. So that's a very complicated. Yeah. I think that. Uh, there's a case to be made for a uh, better ability with more self-government. Probably the Catalan would be better able to actually manage their own affairs, and that would probably improve. And you know, aside from from this very important effort, their ability to to provide proper services to the Catalan people, and I think that could happen to anybody else in, in Spain, for example, for the two the Balearic Islands. But uh, I think that. Uh, if they were to become independent, they would definitely go through a lot of strain in the beginning. There would be an cr- economic crisis for sure. And there are many things that need to be decided. I mean, independence is not just an emotional, you know, uh, state of achievement. There's definitely a lot pragmatic of uh, pragmatic, too. absolutely pragmatic too. And uh, uh, what would be the relationship between Spain and, and Catalonia? Uh, how would the Catalan people pay, pay, for example, for the retirement of their people when it actually depends on Spain, uh, with whether they would actually pay back the money that, um, the deficit, that there is a real deficit that Catalonia mm. owes to the Spanish state investments, uh, how would they would actually, whether they would continue within the euro. There are many, many, many things to analyze that, that make yeah. that understanding very, very complicated.
0: Yeah, and I get so,
1: in the beginning, there would be a lot of strain. It would be a very complicated emotional economic process. Whether after maybe 15, 20 years, uh, Katana would, you know, start, or, or maybe even a longer period of time would start, you know, seeing the positive aspects of independence. We would have to see that. But I think there's a strong case to be made. If a, a, a great super, you know, world superpower as Great Britain is going through all this stress about actually separating from the European Union and becoming an independent a state outside of this union, what would happen to Catalonia, which is not even a, a state of its own?
0: Yeah. No, I mean, it, certainly that's, you know, from what we saw from the 2017 referendum, and I mean, I'm sure you have these statistics, um, you know, on the tip of your tongue, but uh, obviously, you know, it, it was very difficult from that referendum just in the way it was conducted uh, and, and from it, the fact that it was voluntary in nature, um, and, and, you know, not, not legally, um, legitimated that it's very difficult to actually ascertain, you know, how many people within Spain are actually in favor of, oh, sorry, not within Spain, uh, but within Catalonia are are in favor of independence. And surely one would think that you would need to set the bar fairly high, uh, because, uh, in you know a newly formed state, uh, one could imagine that having fifty percent of people who are opposed to you know being an independent state is not a particularly good way to come to come to being
1: start
0: over um, and- yeah and I guess uh, the it, it was obviously a very different situation in Scotland um, where I believe there was uh, only only a fifty percent majority required, and obviously the the referendum. Uh, I think the the uh, yes vote was uh, somewhere around the forty five percent mark. Um, and again, uh, one could envision some uh, serious divisiveness that would foment uh, following following uh, a successful re- referendum <laughs> such as that, uh, where only fifty percent of fifty uh, percent is required. Um, so, I mean, how how high do you should one yeah, set the bar, or, do you think? Uh,
1: it's very, com- uh, again, this is a complex issue. I mean, there are several arguments to be made for, for both sides, you no? Know? I mean, if Katana, if Catalonia was to become independent, what would happen? That's a very good question with the 45, 50% of people who actually don't support independence. Mm. What would its relationship be with Spain, right? And how would it actually represent the, the rights right? yeah. where, what, what, they would actually, you know, be respectful of the rights of these people who did not support independence and their right to, for example, get education in Spanish. Or there are a lot of things that could be very complicated in that process. Uh, but uh, I think that if a real referendum were to take place, right, and it uh, were to be accepted by the international community, by the United Nations, etc., I think the threshold that is normally used is around a fifty-five percent. Right? Mm. Anything under 55% uh, basically uh, means that the society is so divided that any process for independence could actually lead to a real conflict. And, but of course, uh, there's also an argument to be made that if it were actually 51 49, why would the, 40, the, the rights of the 49%? You know, be more important or considered uh, in a higher way than those of the 51%, right? Yeah. So that's why a 55% threshold, I think, is quite important because that's when you start seeing a real difference. Some people would argue 60%. Uh, some people would argue that there's not enough percentage to actually make that decision. But I think yeah, 55, yeah. a minimum of 55% uh, support for independence would be necessary for the international community to listen
0: right uh, and yeah. to
1: actually acknowledge, acknowledge a, a path forward for independence
0: yeah i mean that's 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 the difficulty with the mature, majoritarian democracy i suppose that uh, 51% is is you know perceived as legitimate but uh, 49 isn't it's uh, it's very difficult to balance those interests um, within that democratic framework andrew thank you very much for joining us all the way from spain Visit the Organisation for World Peace website at theOWP.org to uncover more insights into independence movements as well as many other issues affecting global peace and security. I'm Alex McIntyre. Until next time, goodbye.